I was in the Holiday Inn just west of the Ashley River in Charleston. It was a familiar room. I came in the door from the main hallway, past the bath, into the bedroom with two double beds. You can visualize the space. I was kneeling between the beds, facing the wall that divided the bath from the bedroom. The short hall past the bath to the door leading out of the room was on my left. I knelt there in prayer, leaning on the bed. My eyes were closed. Suddenly, I sensed that someone was standing at the foot of the bed. Somewhat alarmed, I opened my eyes. There was no one there. I closed my eyes and returned to prayer. There it was again. The sense that someone had walked into the room and was standing at the foot of the bed. I opened my eyes again, and again there was no one there. I returned to prayer. This happened again a third time, and when I opened my eyes, I saw nothing, but I heard a voice which said to me, Seek not to see me as Thomas sought to see me, but seek to know me as Isaiah knew me. It was Jesus. I knew it. But being rebellious, I said, how about David, Lord? <laughs> he, said, he said, no, Isaiah. Need I say that since then I have read Isaiah at least twice a year. I still have much to learn. But in chapter 6, Isaiah writes, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Like Isaiah, I heard the voice of the Lord. Like Isaiah, I was willing to be sent. Here am I, send me. Just a few months later, Bishop Alfred Stanway, the founding dean and president of Trinity School for Ministry, visited Columbia, South Carolina, where we were living. I shared with him my story. Here am I, send me, I said to the bishop. He said, Fred... You left out the best part. The Lord said, go. I filled out my application to enter seminary, and within months, Carolyn, our three sons, and I were on our way to the suburbs west of Pittsburgh. That all happened more than 40 years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. When you hear the voice of the Lord, you don't forget it. Imagine with me that when I opened my eyes, I had seen the risen Lord, Jesus, standing at the foot of the bed. Would that not be life-changing? Today's gospel begins on that first Easter evening. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The disciples were gathered together behind locked doors. They had seen their Lord and Master beaten and blooded, dying on a cross. They had hoped to help him usher in the kingdom of God, to take up a sword and overthrow the occupying forces of Rome. But the Jews had betrayed Jesus to Pilate, who condemned him to death by crucifixion. The disciples justly feared the Jews, who were now bent on destroying the uprising of the Nazarene 
and his followers. The Jewish leaders feared the loss of their respectable position under the Pax Romana. The Roman peace was enforced with an iron fist. It was not really peace at all, and they knew it. But Jesus and his followers had threatened to disrupt the relatively stable life. Jesus and his disciples threatened their political and religious authority. Let me take an aside just for a minute and address what happened in Poway, California yesterday. There never has been a time in Christendom when violence against Jews were justified. Never. There isn't today. Anti-Semitism has no place in the Christian faith. That aside. Suddenly, the risen Jesus stood among the disciples gathered behind locked doors. Jesus came and stood in the, among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. The peace that Jesus offered was a real peace, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that the world cannot give. When Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. They were glad when they saw the Lord. Yes, they heard his voice, but they also saw his hands, his feet, his wounded side. Then Jesus promised to send them out in the same way that he had been sent. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Remember how Jesus began his earthly ministry at the baptism of John in the River Jordan. As he came up out of the river, the people saw the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And they heard a voice saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Immediately Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. The Father sent Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus would now send his disciples in the power of that same Spirit. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Scholars debate whether this is John's account of Pentecost or merely John's account of the promise of the Holy Spirit yet to come at Pentecost. For our purposes, it doesn't matter. The point is that his disciples... And through their witness, you and I, the church, are empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the forgiveness of sin. This changes everything. The text says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, 
Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The disciples have seen the Lord and told Thomas, but he's not convinced. Eight days later, the doors are still locked. Can it be that the others are not convinced either? Why are the doors still locked? Why are they still afraid? Then we have this exchange between Jesus and Thomas, so personal, so tender. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. When the disciples told Thomas, We have seen the Lord, he said, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now Jesus stands before Thomas and says, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. John the Baptist had confessed Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Peter had confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. The centurion at the cross confessed, truly this was the Son of God. Thomas confesses Jesus to be my Lord and my God. Not only Son of God, but God. Thomas no longer disbelieved. He believed. We understand from the prologue of John's gospel that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Word of God, was always with God and was always God. But it is Thomas who first confesses Jesus as God. He saw and he believed. There is no evidence that Thomas actually put his finger in the nail holes or put his hand in Jesus' side. He saw and he believed. Our Old Testament lesson from Job 24, 42 excuse me, uh, tells us of Job's response to seeing the Lord. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. The natural response to the presence of God is fear and repentance. We despise ourselves, acknowledge our unworthiness, and turn from the sin that besets us. Peter and the rest of his fishermen friends were, were fishing the lake of Gennesaret. They had toiled all night and caught nothing. Jesus told them to put out a little from the shore and let down their nets. They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But Simon Peter saw it. When Simon Peter saw it, 
he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter, on recognizing who Jesus was, fell at Jesus' feet, at his knees, excuse me, and in fear and trembling, cited, cried out, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter knew he was in the presence of the Holy One of Israel. In our lesson today from the Revelation, John describes the vision of one like the Son of Man. And then he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Beloved, we are not told that the disciples or Thomas repented in dust and ashes like Job. We are not told that they fell at Jesus' knees like Peter. We are not told that they fell at his feet as though dead like John. We are simply told they saw and believed. I cannot imagine, however, that their hearts were not filled with fear and reverential awe. When Paul saw the Lord on the road to Damascus, he was blinded for three days. How can we look on the majesty of the risen Lord Jesus and not fall on our face before him? Even now, our hearts should swell with wonder and praise at his presence. Do you not know he is here? He is here. Jesus does not rebuke Thomas for confessing him as God. But he responds, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The other disciples told Thomas, We have seen the Lord. Thomas saw and believed. Paul wrote in the, to the Corinthian church that Jesus appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, Paul writes, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Clearly it is important that there were eyewitnesses to the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. All these can say, we have seen the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, Peter testified, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. This Jesus, not some other Jesus, of this Jesus we are all witnesses, Peter says. At the founding of the church, there were many eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they were no longer afraid. Now they were bold. Now they burst forth from this upper room. 
In his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed to the Father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Jesus prayed for those who would believe through the testimony of those who have seen the Lord. He prayed for you and for me. Peter would later write in his first epistle, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Jesus' final words in today's gospel are these, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Beloved, there were many eyewitnesses to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is one of the best attested facts of history. We have their witness documented in Holy Scripture. Others have seen Jesus in more recent times. My wife, Carolyn, used to take our son, Frederick, to a healing service at our church in Columbia every Wednesday morning. Week after week, she took him to the altar rail where Father Bob Long laid hands on Frederick and prayed for his healing. One morning, as Bob laid hands on Frederick, he saw Jesus standing behind Frederick, laying his hands on him. From that moment, we began to see miracles of healing in Frederick. I tell you faithfully, Bob Long had no special gift of healing. What he had was faith to ask the healer to heal, to ask the Savior to save. He was bold enough to schedule a midweek service to do just that. You might not have seen Jesus, the risen Lord. You might never see him. You might not have heard his voice. You might never hear his voice. But John tells us we can trust the witness of those who have seen, who have heard. John concludes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Oh, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you do not know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to accept the witness of those who have seen, who have heard. Believe those who say, we have seen the Lord. Believe so that you may have life in his name. Pray with me. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear that we may repent and believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.